You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. So we um, have kind of, I, I, you know, Steve and I are, are the only one who's been walking through January. And I, um, you know, the, the theme kind of was vague. It was more of like, who do we want to be as a people? Like who we are and why do we do what we do? Right. And so the first the first week that um, that I preached, it was obviously on evangelism. And this is who we want to be as a people and why we want to be that is because this is who Jesus tells us to be. Right. And so we are trying to align ourselves to allow the ethos of who we are to come from from what Jesus has mandated um, at, to us from um, from his words, from his, the scriptures, uh, prophetically, who he's called us to be and continue to be that. And then we want to look at the patterns of scripture to model ourselves after that uh, in a context that is obviously 2023. And um, so we we are wanting to kind of align ourselves again with what God has called us to. And so I love Tyron's uh, um, message a couple of weeks back and uh, what it means to be a, a favored church. And I really believe what, what he was communicating to us of, of being a favored church really brings us back. If you want to be a favored church, then you have to be a biblical church. How many of you believe that? That we have to be a biblical church. And I'm going to draw on, on a few things that, that we have been encouraged through for the last several months. If you can just think about piecing together Chanel Russo coming in November and think about Steve Sudworth coming in December and then thinking about Tyron coming in January. Now, honestly, as a church, we never really do that. Do back to back to back months with with apostolic input into the life of the church. Um, there were there was some, you know, practical reasons why. But I believe as the Holy Spirit was orchestrating these things, I don't want to just have these gifts that come into the church to impart to who we are as a people and just like, oh, those were amazing preaches. I was encouraged. I was a bit challenged. And then we just carry on to the next thing. We have to allow those things that have been imparted to us as a people to be massaged into who we are. And so I pray that as as outside gifts and even our internal gifts, those those who minister amongst us, those who preach and teach our home group leaders, our our elders and and elders wives and all those who minister um, from from the front. I pray that we are taking those things and not just being encouraged or even slightly challenged, but going back to the scriptures and saying, "Okay, Lord, this is what is being presented um, prophetically through the life of the church. How does this apply to me and how can my life line up? Up to what you are doing. Um, that's what it means to be mature. That's what it, that's what it means for us to 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 really want to grow in and of ourselves. If if someone has to take you to the training center, someone has to take you to the gym and it's something that's forced upon you. Honestly, friends, you're not going to be getting much out of it. Right. You're going to be learning behavior modification. You're going to be doing things because it's expected of you. You're going to be doing th- we're going to be doing things because, you know, if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble. Or if I don't, you know, someone's going to look bad upon me. But what would it look like if we begin to dive into these things because we have a desire to line ourselves up with King Jesus? Yeah. I'm going to start a little back in November. Or I'm sorry, December with Steve Sudworth. Um, Steve Sudworth was here in December and he spoke on spiritual warfare. How many of you remember that on Sunday morning? He took us through Ephesians 6. Uh, and there was just one strategy, one strategy that I'm going to just draw on a little bit from this morning. And one of the strategic, um, one of the strategies of warfare that he encouraged us with was the power of truth. The power of truth. When you go back to that Ephesians 6 text and understand why we put on uh, the armor of God. One of the aspects, one of the strategies that we have is the power of truth. When the enemy feeds us lies, we contend, listen friends, with truth. Can you say truth? Truth. When our flesh feeds us lies. How many of you have ever been fed lies by your flesh? When our flesh feeds us lies. We contend, listen, friends, with truth. But what happens when when truth is relevant to the individual? How many of you ever heard that? Like truth is relevant, right? It's relevant to the to the individual. It's right. This is what culture says. Culture says that your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. Have you ever heard that? 
If you've, if you've heard that, raise your hand, because I just want to make sure I'm hearing the same things you're hearing out in the culture. All right, so and, and the, the culture would also tell us that there's no absolute truth. All right, there's no absolute truth. Some people would call it universal truth. There's no truth that every one of us can stand on because it's immovable. Please hear me, friends. I believe that the individual life experience shapes how we see ourselves and how we see the world. I understand that wholeheartedly, that your experience is your experience, that the things that you have experienced in this life, maybe I haven't, and maybe the person next to you hasn't. And I understand how that can shape you as a person, because I know how it has shaped me as a person, but more than how, those experiences shape us as a person. It shapes, listen, friends, how we know ourselves. It shapes how we know ourselves and it shapes how we allow ourselves to be known by the world. This is what our individual experiences do. It shapes how, how we connect with the world. It shapes how we allow people in to our lives, our lives experiences, right? So the question I have is, does our lives experience always equate to truth? Does how you have experienced life always equate to truth? If someone has had a bad experience with the church, clearly their life experience, they might develop a, a, a truth, a personal truth about the church. The church is full of X, Y, and Z. You know, so they develop a personal truth through their life experience. Where does that truth come from? Uh, this this week, my, my wife was was helping my son with an art project. And so apparently the, the teachers had given him a, an art project, returned it to him with criticism. And so and asking him to to do it better. And so. Like, like many of us, my, my son doesn't take criticism too well, like I don't. So maybe he gets it from his dad. So it was, it was, a, it was a bit of a struggle for him because art is subjective, clearly. <laughs> so how do you do something better when it's art, right? And so me, me and my wife are a little bit frustrated and she's known the teacher for probably 40 years and wasn't happy with, you know, the, the, how it was happening. So. Vanessa, being uh, very artistic, gave some encouragement um, to our son on how to add some detail and maybe, you know, some technique to kind of enhance his project that he was doing. But he began to reject her encouragement. And he was rejecting her encouragement based on the criticism that, had he, that he had received from, from this teacher. I'm not trying to make, make this teacher out to be or demonize her in any way. Um, and so, but my son began to express lies about himself based on that criticism. I suck. I'm dumb. I'm not good at art. Van Gogh is better than mine. <laughs> and listen, I know I'm, I'm biased about my son because he's, he's a really good artist. He's been drawing since he was a little dude and can draw circles around me. But he fell into the trap that I think many Christians fall into. We begin to embrace personal truth based on lies that have shaped us by experiences of ne negativity in our lives. And these experiences become our truth. These experiences become the foundations that we stand on as a people of God. And I understand when we come to Jesus, we bring baggage. How many of you brought baggage into the kingdom of God? How many of you brought baggage into your relationship with Jesus? And this thing about sanctification is that Jesus is refining us. And so he's stripping away that baggage. And, and what we need to do is, as a people is we need to identify the truths that we're standing on and come Compare them with the truth that Jesus has spoken over our lives. Listen to this, friends. Corporately means there are things that he has spoken over his church. I mean, every person in his church that are immovable. But there's also things very individual and specific to you as a child of God. 
And we have to look at those truths and, and cross-reference. Okay, this is the truth that I have believed about myself, but this is what God has said about his people, and this is what God has said about me. How does this line up? With all humility, friends, I want to tell you, if your personal truth is not rooted in Jesus, it is wrong. It is wrong. We have to ask ourselves, where does the truth that we live come from? What life experience have, have shaped that belief system, right? And this is important because ultimately what you believe becomes your truth. What you believe becomes your truth, right? As a people of God, listen, friends, the word of God has to be the sole foundation of the truth that we stand on. I'm going to say that again. As the people of God, the word of God has to be the soul, the sole foundation of the truth that we stand on. No other word, no other voice, the voice of Jesus, the words of Jesus. And here's why I'm going to, I'm going to help. This is a theology that I, I carry and I pray that it's a theology that you will develop because it's a theology throughout scripture. In John chapter one, it tells us that Jesus, in fact, is the word. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word of God and the word was with God and the word was God. The word. As a people of God, the word of God is the sole foundation because, listen, Jesus is the fulfillment of all truth. Jesus is and was the fulfillment of all truth. Every prophetic word, every scripture, all is upheld by Jesus. It's all upheld by Jesus. So listen to this, friends. The truth we stand on is unshakable only because Jesus is unshakable. I want you to know that. The truth we stand on does not change. Listen, friends, only because Jesus doesn't change. And it's amazing to think in our culture and in our world, like we're, we're trying to, to, to twist what scripture says, and we're trying to, you know, uh, to adopt new understandings of scripture, and we're at the expense of other scripture. And I'm telling you, friends, we cannot play the game of being selective hearers and doers of the word of God. Either what Jesus said is true, all of it, or none of it. Either the word of God is true, listen friends, all of it, or none of it. And I, I'm not trying to be an absolutist here, and I'm not trying to, to tell you that you can't wrestle with some of these things. There are some theologies, friends, that we will never understand the mysteries of doctrines. You think of the, 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 the eschatology, the second coming of Christ. People have been arguing about that thing since, since Jesus left. When is Jesus coming back? Is he coming back pre-tribulation? Before the church is persecuted? Is he coming back mid-tribulation? Right? In the middle of persecution? Is he coming back after tribulation where the saints are going to have to endure everything in this world? Which one is it going to be? And people have been arguing those things forever. And so when you talk about like, is there an absolute truth in regards to eschatology? And I'm here to tell you, we don't know. Here's what we do know. Jesus is coming back. Amen. And according to scripture, it's soon. And today it's sooner than yesterday. So you should be a little bit more prepared. But there are some other foundational truths that don't change, friends. Things like sin. Separating us from the love of God. Things like heaven and hell. There are some truths, friends, that they're, they're not subjective. They're not based on our life experience. They're, 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 there's, there's things that we have to understand that, that Scripture has not changed its mind on. Jesus has not changed its mind on. And maybe the church is starting to change their mind on some things. But as the people of God, we do not follow the culture's patterns. The church has changed. I mean, the culture has changed its mind on everything. On sexuality, on marriage, on, on, I mean, just think about it, prohibition. I mean, you could not buy a sip of liquor in this nation at one point. Now you can go anywhere, everywhere, anywhere, and have as much as you want, like whatever. It changes. Things change. Culture changes. God does not change. That wasn't a condemnation on having a drink, just so you know. <laughs> the Lord says, do not become drunk. That's clear. 
The truth we stand on is unshakable because Jesus is unshakable. The truth we stand on does not change because Jesus does not change. John 14, 6 says this, friends. This is Jesus speaking himself. You should remember this verse. Jesus told him, I am the way. I am the truth. Can you say truth? I am the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father, listen, friends, except through me. The world will tell you that there's many ways to heaven. There's many ways to God. There's all kinds of avenues that all leads to God. I, I probably shared this in the past. I mean, in seminary, I had a profess argument with a professor who, who he was saying that very thing. It was something that he had adopted because he allowed the culture. I believe he allowed. This isn't a judgment. This is what I believe based on you know, what I've experienced through scripture and in my own life. I have questions. I can see good things in other people that practice other religions. But I'm telling you, my truth is not based on good things. My truth is based on what Jesus has said. My truth is based on the fact that Jesus had to go to a cross to die on the cross for the salvation of all mankind. And my truth is based on what Jesus asked the Lord, the heavenly father in the garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if there was another way, allow this cup to pass for me. And I believe if there was another way, another religion, another avenue to heaven, God, the father would have said, here it is, son. You don't have to go to the cross. But he did go to the cross. And that has developed a truth in my life. And I believe should develop a truth in every saint's life that there is no other way. To the father, except listen, friends, through me. This is what Jesus has said. This is the truth that Jesus has delivered to mankind. This is the truth that Jesus has delivered to you and I as followers of Jesus. I am the way I am the truth and I am the life. No one can come to the father except through me. That's not unclear. It's pretty clear. No one. Except through me. If we are in fact endeavoring to be a biblical people, I think it's going to take three keys. Three keys. Number one, it cannot, truth cannot be based on us. You could tell yourself this truth cannot be based on me. And you know why truth cannot be based on you? Because you change. You change. We change and therefore our truth changes. I'm telling you, friends, how I felt about certain people in my life has changed. How I felt about certain people groups in the world has changed. Those things have changed. And, and, and I believe that they've gotten better. But just think, just think about, the, the, uh, again, culture. You think about slavery in this nation. This, this nation had to change its mind. And I believe that it was God provoked, but it had to change its mind. But once what was truth is no longer true. And thank God that that's no longer true. A division between black and white and every other ethnic group in this nation. Thank God that's no longer the truth that this nation is trying to live. But you, we can base the fact on this was my personal truth, but that changes. Hopefully for the better. But truth cannot be based on us for that very fact. We change. Are you with me? Number two, it cannot be based on what is culturally acceptable. Why? Because culture changes. Culture changes. You think about the issue of marriage. It changes. You think about human sexuality. Culture changes. And so truth cannot be based on that. The culture will change. So what's the plumb line for us as a people? We, we were praying this morning and, and um, prophetically uh, Gavin um, kind of um, uh, kind of gave me some a little bit of fuel for my message. And so he was talking about pictures, right? And you're hanging pictures when, when we're trying to, you know, if we're trying to, I'll, I'll put it this way. If we're trying to put up our truth, where's the plumb line? Someone had to put a line that dictates the truth. The dictates the plumb line and the truth that we, we follow. That plumb line is Jesus, friends. It's Jesus. That plumb line is the word of God who Jesus embodied. So it cannot be based on what is culturally acceptable. And third, it cannot be based on my life experiences. Listen, friends, whether good or bad. Now, again, I know that our experiences shape us. 
I understand that. I, I mean, understand, friends, that we, we minister in a very hard context, in a very hard generation. You think about the things that people have experienced. You think about the pain that we have endured. You think about abuse. You think, I mean, it, those things shape you. You're marked forever. You're marked forever by those things. And our hope is that as we connect with Jesus and his truth, that healing comes to us and that, that each day we're a little more healed and each day we're getting a little bit closer to the truth that he's calling us to and we're allowing his truth to be the foundation and what we stand on. And so I'm not trying to be insensitive to our life experiences, but listen, friends, everyone's life experiences is different. What you have gone through it's not what I have gone through and vice versa. And we're not like the person next to you. Maybe you had a really good life, abuse free, but the person next to you has experienced extreme abuse in their life. The two truths that you develop for your life will look very different. And because of that, our truth cannot be based on our life experiences, whether good or bad. No two people's experiences of life are the same. And so that cannot be the foundational truth for God's people. It can't be. You just think of Peter, the apostle Peter, his, his truth. I cut off a guy's ear and God put it back on. We can't develop a theology of cutting people's ears off to see miracles. Right. I'm being funny, but that was his life experience. We don't have to deny Jesus three times to be redeemed by Jesus. You guys understand? We don't develop patterns after someone else's life experience. We base it off of the truth that Jesus has given to us as his people. Being a biblical people means we endeavor. Listen, friends, if, you, if you're taking notes, try to write this down. I'm going to repeat it for you a couple times. Being a biblical people means that we endeavor by the Spirit's power to live out biblical truth for the one who is truth. I'm going to say this again. Being a biblical people means we endeavor by the Spirit's power to live out biblical truth for the one who is truth. Are you with me? We need word and we need spirit to live out the truth for the one who is truth. And that's Jesus. Word and spirit in balance to live out the truth. For the one who is truth. Tyron, a couple weeks back, encouraged us on being a favorite church. I opened up with this a little bit. I don't believe we can be a favorite church without being a biblical church. And when I say a biblical church, I'm not talking only about the biblical structure in which we operate as Restoration LA. Because when I say that, I think most people probably is like, yeah, we have to be a biblical church. When I'm talking about us being a biblical church, I want you to hear this, friends. I'm talking about us being a biblical people. Because we are the church. And if we are the church, the structure in which we operate on as a corporate church will be sound because we're recognized we're a biblical people. But the same expectation you have for RLA to operate as a biblical church is the same expectation Jesus has for us to be a biblical people. We cannot be a biblical church if we are not a biblical people. That's just the truth of it. When you break down the microcosm of what a church is, it is breaks down to the individual. I am living out biblical truth. That's an expectation. I believe, honestly, I believe every one of you have for me as a pastor at Restoration Los Angeles, that I would live out biblical truth. I hope that's your expectation for my life. I hope that you, you, you have an expectation that Jody as a pastor is living a biblical life and le leading a biblical lifestyle. I hope you know that I'm not perfect, but through grace that I, I'm living to the best of my ability to be a biblical man. But do you have that same expectation for yourself? Because the priesthood of all believers means that in the end, you and you and I, each and every one of us is going to face Jesus face to face. And just like the expectation for Jesus, for me to be a biblical man of God in my place and function in the life of the church is the same expectation that he has for each and every one of you. 
Once you have accepted Christ into your heart and have been baptized, you will stand before Jesus face to face and you will face judgment. And if you've never been received Jesus and you have never been baptized, you're still going to face that same judgment. Each and every one of us. Being a biblical people means that we endeavor by the spirit's power to live out biblical truth for the one who is truth. Tyron dropped a truth bomb when he, he said, we cannot be a favored church if Jesus is not preeminent. If he is not preeminent, and listen, not just prominent. Uh, James Lusk, my friend from New York, um, City Beautiful Church in, in New York, in Harlem, Spanish Harlem. He said this, Jesus can't just be ornamental. He has to be fundamental. Fundamental. Is Jesus fundamental in our life? Is Jesus preeminent in your life? Not just the church, not just because we have the big Jesus sign and we we're known for that Jesus sign. I'll tell you that. Um, not just because we have the Jesus sign is Jesus that in your life. If Jesus pulls back the curtain of your life, is there a big Jesus sign ready to come out in your life? Is Jesus preeminent in that way? Listen to this, friends. Does the fear of God still grip your life in a holy way? That's what preeminence brings. It brings a holy fear to us as a people. A holy fear. Not a, not a carnal fear like God's going to strike us down with a lightning bolt every time I do something wrong. That's a fleshly fear. That, 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 that's a fear for someone who's separated from God. And maybe, maybe some of you have invited friends to church. Maybe some of you know some unbelievers and you're like, man, you should come with me to the church one day. And maybe some of you, like I have heard friends say, I'm not walking in no church building. That thing will collapse as soon as I walk in. Right there, there's a carnal, unholy fear, thinking that God is ready to punish just at, at proximity to him. And that's not the case. Preeminence means we carry a holy fear of God, right? And if we don't carry a holy fear of God, I really believe that in that not allowing him to be preeminent, not allowing him, friends, simply to be Lord. Jesus can become all bark and no bite in our life. It's all bark. Now, maybe you've heard this in, in back in the day. Oh, he's all wah wah. And no bite. <coughs> Revelation 1 8. Jesus says this I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Says the Lord God, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and is still to come, the Almighty One. This is what Jesus says about himself. And we see this three times in the book of Revelation, beginning, middle, end. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Some versions will say the first and the last. Some will say the start and the finish. It starts with him and it ends with him. So it must, he must be in the middle. He must be the foundation that holds it all together. Does Jesus get first say in our lives, friends? When you're about to make a decision based on the truth that you are living out, is Jesus not just referenced, but is Jesus submitted to? Does he get the first say in your life? About everything. You can, if you had an Excel sheet for all of you Microsoft Excel users. Just, just put all the compartments of your life and all these, you know, does Jesus get consideration first say in my finances? Does Jesus get first say in my relationships? Does Jesus get first say in my sexuality? Does Jesus get first say in how I spend my time? Does Jesus get first say in how I use my giftings? Does Jesus get first say when it comes to unforgiveness? Does Jesus get first say when it comes to how, I, uh, how I'm a husband or how I'm a wife or, or how I lead my children? Does Jesus get the first say? Or is Jesus asked after we've already made all of the decisions as a reference point? Do you circle back with Jesus? 
Or does you put it in front of Jesus and say, Jesus, this sits and stays with you because what you want, I want. Does Jesus get the last word in your life? The first and the last. After I've made the decision, let me double check with you, Jesus, just one more time to be sure. Not when the decision's already made, before you make the decision, before you make the down payment, before you ask her to be your girlfriend, before you say yes to him to be your boyfriend, before you spend that dollar, before you make that appointment, does Jesus just double check with, not just as a reference, but I want to double check Jesus that this is okay with you. You see, friends, one thing about the generation that we're living in is we don't live by accountability. We don't live by accountability from heaven and we don't live by accountability within the life of the church. And it's not something I like to promote a lot of from the front, because I believe as we become a biblical people, it becomes natural. But God has also given you the church and leaders in your life, not only to be, again, a reference point. But to give you spiritual counsel when you are struggling with the decision that you're about to make. And listen, friends, we're not here to give you permission about anything not here to give you permission about anything as an eldership i have had to counsel our eldership team we are not the sin police in the life of this church if we see something wrong as a brother and sisters in christ we are going to come alongside of you and we'll tell you hey this is not line up with who jesus is and needs to work out you need to work it out we're going to love you through it we're not going to excommunicate you we're not trying to do any of that stuff we want to come alongside of you speak the truth of jesus over your life and allow you to make the decisions to align yourself with who he is but we're not trying to be the sin police. But I'm telling you, friends, there's too many people in the church, not just Restoration LA, the church who are making decisions and never reference the people that God has put them, put them in community with. This is also how we allow our, our truth to be developed. This is how I'm interpreting truth. Does this seem right to you, brother? Does this seem right to you, sister? This is an area of my life that I feel like I'm, I'm struggling with. I mean, but, and this is a decision I'm about to make. Do, do, do you think that this, this lines up with what God has said and who Jesus is? And allow them to speak life over you. Allow them to bring you biblical encouragement. Allow them to come alongside of you and say, even if they don't know, I'll pray with you as you walk through this decision that you're about to make. Now, listen, friends, I know some things aren't heaven and hell issues. But sometimes just asking a simple question, I'm telling you, in the counsel of many, there is wisdom. That's what Proverbs tells us. And so if you give, get counsel, I mean, before you buy a car, ask someone who knows about cars. I, mean, don't, I don't even think they make Yugos anymore. I mean, you guys remember the Yugo? I mean, it was a Yugoslavian vehicle that got put out. And I mean, they put these things together like Frankenstein mobiles, honestly. I mean, no two vehicles were alike. They had different parts for different things and all. But they were cheap as heck. And you could buy one for a couple thousand dollars. I mean, they looked like the little smart cars. And I mean, but man, was it smart to buy one? No. <laughs> And if you ask someone, hey, what do you think about that? You go it's like, no, don't do it, man. Spend, spend the 7,000 and buy a Toyota Corolla. You'll be okay. I mean, this is, this is back in the day. Just by asking. But we have this sense of, uh, of individualism and the sense of, you know, my truth and my experience, my decision. I'm independent. No one's the boss of me. Not even Jesus. And we don't say that with words, but we say it with our actions. We say it with how we make decisions. Is Jesus the basis of truth that you're living today? Is he the foundation of truth that you are living today? Listen, friends, Philippians chapter 2, verses, verse 12 says this. Dear friends, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi that he planted. He had deep spiritual connection with these people. The spiritual father to this church. You always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, listen, friends, it is even more important. Work hard. Listen, friends, to show the results of your salvation. Some ver versions would say work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Listen, how do we do that, friends? Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. 
Friends, this is how we live out the truth of God. This is how we work out our salvation. This is how we work out the truth that Jesus has given us. Listen, as a biblical people, we obey God with deep reverence and fear. Do we still carry a holy fear? I mean, I ask my kids, if my kids make a bad decision at school or outside, I ask them this thing. Honestly, I pray, I, before the Lord, I ask them, did you hear God say anything before you did that? Was there something in your head or was there anything in your heart that said, don't do it? Don't do it. Because I believe my children are saved. I'm covered by the blood. And Macy still has to receive Jesus into her heart and be baptized. But Judah and Mackenzie and the rest, they, they know Jesus. They've been baptized. And I remind them of that very fact. When any time they start to, to, to walk outside of the truth that Jesus has proclaimed over their lives and the truth that Jesus has called them to live, I remind them, you're, you're blood-bought, born again. You've been baptized. You made this decision. Did you hear God at any point tell you, don't do it? And after that, I say, and then secondly, did you not feel like, well, my dad say, I'm not God. But this is a bit of what holy fear feels like. Man, my father would disapprove of this. I wouldn't do this if my father was standing right next to me. There's no way. Simply because I wouldn't want to disappoint him first, but secondly, because of the wrath that comes behind it. This is what holy fear feels like, friends. We make decisions based on the truth that Jesus has given us. And it creates this holy fear. And we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. Listen, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. This is what we do as a biblical people. And I'm not saying we always get it right. And I'm not telling you, you guys are going to be the Santos with halos over your head and, you know, looking. But listen, that's the goal. I bring this word of encouragement because I believe the Holy Spirit is definitely leading us Restoration LA leading us in a direction, the same direction. If we've been paying attention, there's been this common thread starting with Chanel in November, Steve in December, Steve and Debs in December, Tyron and Nicole just a couple weeks back. We invite these Ephesians four gifts in to strengthen and encourage us as a church so that we will grow and become the church that Jesus is building. Do you want to be the church that Jesus is building? I know I want to be. I know I want to be a biblical people. I, I know that that is the safety that provides so much safety for me as a leader, as a son, as a brother. I mean, that's what brings me safety to know that I'm being a part of the church that Jesus is building. There's a plumb line for that church. Ephesians 4.15 says this, instead, we will speak the truth in love. This is as a result of Ephesians 4 giftings coming in, strengthening and encouraging us. Instead, we speak with the truth in love. Listen to this, friends. Growing in every way more, or sorry, growing in every way more and more like who? Christ. Who is the head of his body, the church. This is our endeavor. This is the truth that we're trying to live, that we are growing in every way more and more like Christ. And corporately as a church, we are trying to do that. We are trying to bring in giftings to strengthen and encourage us to be more and more like Christ. We are empowering leaders in the life of our church to be shepherds amongst you and to strengthen and encourage you in your daily walks and home groups and ministries and our eldership team and our deacons. We're, we're doing all we can to strengthen and encourage you so that you can be more and more like Christ. This is the goal. But is it yours? Jesus is calling us to a higher standard. If we're paying attention, he's calling Restoration LA to a higher standard. And it's not a new standard. And you could be like, oh, all of a sudden we're trying to be like that. No, it's not a new standard, friends. It's the same standard that he gave to his original 12 disciples. It's the same standard that he gave Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, King David. The same standard. 
It's the same standard for the Romeros, for the Furloughs, for the Hernandezes, for the Mybergs. You put your family name in there. Quinteros, represent, represent. It's the same standard for each and every one of us. And we can look at another family group or another person in the life of the church and say, there's obviously a different standard on that person's life. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Same standard for men. It's the same standard for women. It's the same standard for our children. And listen to this, friends. The standard is him. It's Jesus. He's the standard. Will you dare in this next season to allow Jesus to be the standard of your life? Because you're called to be more and more like him. This is what a biblical people does as we become more and more like him. Our church becomes more and more like him. We are connected to him who is the head. This is the goal of the church. The standard in which you base everything on should be Jesus. Everything. Your truth, your values, your beliefs, your actions should be based on Jesus. And the truth that is revealed through who he is. This is what we are inviting you into in this next season. This is what Jesus has invited us into from the day you said yes to him. But this will be our emphasis as a church. This is our encouragement. This is our challenge. This is our goal. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 says this. This will continue The church will continue in this until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. We'll be mature in what? In the Lord. It's God's goal for us to be mature. We use this as a foundational verse in our maturity series. If you remember back then, you're saying, Jody, you're regurgitating everything you've already preached. Yes and amen. And everything Brett preached too. And Steve and Ken and anyone else who has shared this pulpit. Be mature in the Lord. Listen to this, friends. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of who? Of Christ. Again, who is the standard? Jesus. He is the truth. He is the plumb line. He is the standard. I felt like the Lord wanted me to use some of these verses just to... Allow you to process where you are with God. If it feels like a rebuke to you, receive it in the Lord. If it feels like an encouragement to you, be encouraged. There needs to be repentance. Repent. You're not repenting to me. I'm not calling anyone out individually, but I've been serving the Lord for quite some time. I've had to face this verse often in my life, in different areas of my life. Listen to this, friends. Hebrews chapter 5. Verses 12 through 14. This is what the writer of Hebrews says to the church. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Which means as a mature believer, you should be wallowing in the truth that is Jesus for so long. Like Jesus should be the standard of your life in such a way that at this point in your walk with God, you should be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature. Who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Listen, friends. We are not a church about morality. We're not trying to keep saints saved. We are trying to mature saints into the call that God has called them to. If you're wrestling with sin, it's not the leadership's job to continuously fight at the gates of hell to pull you out of the sin that you continuously voluntarily are partaking in. Repent, turn from your sin, and turn towards Jesus. 
And then we as shepherds can continue to walk you towards Jesus and the maturity that he has called you to. There's no timeline for sanctification. We are all being renewed. We are all being sanctified. Each and every one of us is being purged from things. The Bible says that all have sinned. Say all have sinned. All have sinned. Every person who has been on this pulpit has sinned. We all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus is still the standard. And those truths have to be balanced. Like I'm just living in the grace of God. Living in the grace of God does not mean a lack of repentance in your life. Turning from sin and turning towards Jesus. I believe that maturity comes when we allow Jesus to be the truth foundation of who we are. And when we begin to walk that out, it's no longer about you know, us slipping back and forth and back and forth and staying in this immature state. Paul's encouragement to this church is by now, many of you should be teaching by now. And I agree that same very thing about some people in the life of this room. Some of you should be teaching by now. Some of you should be leading others. You should look back. There should be slews of people behind you because the standard of Jesus in your life is so infectious that they can't help but follow you towards who he is. Hebrews chapter six, verse one through three says this. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Dude, what was happening in this church? (laughs) And again, it's only because of the relationship that this apostle had with these people that he was able to say these things. And I'm saying this to you, friends, with love in my heart. Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Jesus died for your sins. You've accepted him into your heart as Savior. He has saved you from those sins. He has given you the ability by the power of his Holy Spirit to have power and authority over that sin in your life. Repent from those sins and turn towards Jesus. It's a basic teaching for Christianity. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you could do it in your own power. But it is a basic teaching. We have to move on from it so that we can get on to the greater things that God has called us to. Let us go on instead to become mature in our understanding. Surely we do not need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Surely we don't have to continue to go over that. Unless there's a new believer in this room. And then we'll always go through it. You don't need further instruction about baptisms. Listen, friends, if you are a Christian, you've accepted Christ into your heart. Baptism is not an option. Baptism is not a glorified extra. So Tyron says for, uh, what does he say? For uh, um, deluxe Christians. (laughs) Baptism is a commandment. Repent and be baptized. If you have said yes to Jesus, you must be baptized. And as far as we're concerned, a believer's baptism means you make the choice to be baptized. You don't need further instructions about baptisms. And the reason why there's an S there is because there's a Holy Spirit baptism. The baptism of water and the baptism of spirit. These are basic things, according to the writer. We don't have to go over the foundations of laying on of hands and why we do that. The resurrection of the dead, knowing that one day the dead will rise. It's not the walking dead. It's when Jesus comes and lifts up his church. And the eternal judgment. These are the things that this writer says are basic doctrines of the church. And so many of us can wrestle with these things. If you are wrestling with them, it's not a knock on you. You need revelation from Jesus again. Revisit the truth. Revisit the word of God. Ask questions of your leaders. Pour over these doctrines so they're no longer a wrestling point for you any longer. And verse three says, and so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. This is my heart for us. We move further to to understanding. We move further in our understanding. We get, we get on with the greater things that God's called us to. Releasing ministers into ministry. Releasing giftings into the life of the church. Planting more churches. Releasing you into communities, into neighborhoods. Empowering you to be the, 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 the best believer and follower that God has called you to be in your workplace. We get on to the greater things. We're now talking about taking ground instead of being set back. 
We're now talking about advancing the kingdom instead of wrestling at the foot of the cross. There is no wrestle at the foot of the cross. There's only surrender. We're going to be entering a a series in this next season, and I want to give you a reference point so that you guys can maybe begin to study with us. It's going to be based on Isaiah 55. It's going to start next week. And we're calling this series Higher. The thoughts and the ways of Jesus. It's based out of Isaiah 55 verses eight through nine. And it reads like this for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways. I'm sorry. Neither are you. I'm sorry. Let me read this again. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways. My ways declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We're going to begin to dissect the human condition and compare them to Jesus's thoughts and Jesus's ways based on every major avenue of our lives. Take money. Jesus's thoughts and his ways for money. How many of you know Jesus has thoughts about your money? But he doesn't just have thoughts because thoughts develop a theology. He has ways. Ways develops obedience. Think about relationships. How many of you know Jesus has an opinion about who you're in a relationship with? And it's not just opinion. Because when he's Lord, (laughs) it's not just thoughts. It's ways. We're going to begin to align ourselves up. Again, not as a morality police, but so that we can be the biblical people that God is calling us to be. Why don't you guys close your eyes for a moment? If that's you, you say, Lord, I want to align myself up with who you are. Just love for you to posture yourself before Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word that brings us truth. It wasn't just your word, it's your life that brings us truth. Your life, what you said, what you did, how you ministered, who you touched, the teachings that you taught. Lord, what you did on the cross. Your resurrection from the dead. Your ascension back to heaven. God, all of it speaking your truth. A truth that shapes us as a people. And Lord, I pray it's that truth that we are measuring ourselves against. We're not comparing against others. We're not, we're not believing the lies that have been spoken over us. Lord, every, every, every demonic lie that has been spoken, every son and daughter in this place, I pray it's broken in Jesus' name. Lord, every, every life experience that was contrary to your will for your sons and daughters, whether it be in childhood or whether it be in a relationship or whether it be in a, in a workplace, and Lord, even in the life of, of, of a local church, Lord, I pray for healing, God. Healing that can only come by your spirit. Lord, the lie that that I cannot, I cannot because I'm not healed. The lie that says I cannot because I'm broken. I rebuke that lie in Jesus' name. You take the broken. Lord, you take the sinner. You take those who are far off from you and you give them the place of prominence at your table. Thank you for my seat at the table. Or thank you for the seats at the table that you've given every person in this place. And thank you that you haven't just given us a place at the table, Lord. You are calling us to a higher call. An upward call. Upward call in you. Jesus, you are the glorious standard. By your spirit's power, I pray you, you give us the power to live out the truth for you, who is the truth. We want to be a biblical people, God. Holy Spirit, we need you to do that. Breathe and blow once again. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Hey, let's give Jesus praise. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Valente and Cecilia, would you mind coming up here, please?
friend, my friend uh, Rudy, he's, he's South African born, but of Mauritius descent. And so he, uh, he, looks, he looks Mexican, honestly. Uh, he, can, he was trying to speak Spanish to, uh, to, to Val and Ceci, and he was doing it with an Italian accent. <laughs> it was kind of like Ken. When you ever listen to Ken do other accents, it's always Jamaican. So it's like... <laughs> So he was like, Valentino and Chechi. And I was like, no, it's Val and Ceci. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but uh, I really believe that they are going to have a tremendous time. Um, but it's not about the experience, friends. They, they're going to bring the gospel to a people who have been so oppressed in, in, in all kinds of ways. I'm not looking down on Cuba because of strictly their government. But there's all kinds of generational things that need to be broken off of those people. And uh, they're bringing the gospel of hope, the gospel of truth, the gospel of power, gospel of peace, the gospel that heals, saves and delivers. And uh, it's a great team going from Canada, Australia and L.A. And so we're so excited to send them um, on Jesus's behalf. And so uh, we want to pray for them. And so uh, if I can have maybe some of the leaders coming up and if you feel compelled to come and pray too, you're good too. Um, we want to pray, obviously, that the Lord will order their steps. There'll be a hedge of protection around them. But we also need to pray something very specific too. Um, Val is in desperate need of a healing. Uh, his back has, has been mess, messing him up for quite some time. And uh, I, I believe he needs to be free of this pain so that he can operate fully and what God's calling them to um, on this on this week away. So let's pray. I'm going to get this mic. And sorry. Kenny, can you start us off? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we do want to. You got it. Is it red? Well, we just want to thank you and just. Okay, go ahead. You, Lord, Lord, just pray with Val, Lord. Pray, Lord, um, hedge protection around Val and Sissy, Lord. Pray, Lord, over Thank the you. family and children, Lord. Father, we pray that all their needs be met, Lord. Uh, pray, Father, that you would just be glorified in yes, this, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Father, their obedience. Journey, we thank you, thank Lord, you for them for saying your, yes, God. For your faithfulness in the fighting ways. Power and influence, God. And minister, Lord. And yes, Lord. People, Lord Surprise free, them, God. Surprise them. Free, yeah. Lord, of thank just you, Lord. generational curses, Lord. Generational um, just torment, Lord. And Father, we see a people, Lord, who love Jesus there now, Lord. Uh, just begin to just see the scriptures, Lord, just lived out, Lord, in a rich way, Lord. I pray, Father, that the eyes of those, Lord, in Cuba, Lord, their understanding be enlightened, Lord, that the people there will know the hope, Lord, to which they've been called, Lord, by your spirit, Lord. And, Father, we do want to pray, Lord, over Val, his body, Lord, that you touch him, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you are, that you heal, Lord, that you heal him, Lord. And, Father, we pray, Lord, that... Uh, that by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, Lord, God. that Val's yes, body yes, uh, becomes set yes, free, God. Lord, yes, God. from pain, Lord, yes, set free, God. Lord, from anything, yes, Lord. anything else related, thank Lord. You, God. We just thank you, Jesus, thank you, God. in your mighty yes, name, Lord. Yes, God. In your mighty thank name. You. Yeah. Doors only you can open, God. Yes. Lord, we know this is, uh, uh, you know, first trip in, but Lord, I pray that, you, that by the power of your spirit, mm. you will do the, all the hard work, the cultivating, God. You would turn to soil. Mm. Lord, we pray for soft hearts, soft soil, God. Lord, the word of God to go and land on, 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 on fruitful soil, God. Your word will spring up, and Lord, we pray for an encouragement for the church that is meeting there, or the church that has been oppressed, the church that has been, you know, just held down and, and, and regulated by the government. Lord, we just pray by the power of your spirit for a release for release in Jesus' name, empowerment over Sessi in Jesus' name, God. Extra measure of grace, extra measure of grace, extra anointing, extra anointing. And for Val, God, extra measure of grace, extra anointing. Surprise them, God. Surprise them this week, God. Surprise them. And we pray for continued healing in Jesus' name, by the power of your blood, healing over Val's back. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 Awesome. Hey, let's give praise to God. Thank you guys for that. <clears throat> Listen, um, two more things before I let you go. 
Um, we we still need to um, raise some, some money to to cover their expenses. Uh, and so um, Eli's standing in the back right now. And if, if you can, you can use our website and use the missions giving because we're going to give specifically towards this. And so um, their expenses are um, like eighteen hundred plus. But we want to give them some some money to have because they're going to only be able to operate with with cash. And I think it's like a, a special peso that they, a tourist peso that they have to use. They don't use U.S. dollars and stuff down there. And so we want to make sure that they have all that to operate. And so um, if if. You, you can, um, if the Lord's prompting you, please, um, please give towards that so that that can be covered. Um, lastly, Chloe and Jennifer are passing out um, year-end giving letters. And so if you have put your name on an envelope or you have registered with our website and given to the life of the church, um, these letters are for you. You can claim them on your taxes. You can take um, when you file your taxes, and this can be uh, a deduction for you. Um, and so uh, if... if, um, if if you don't have one and you believe you should have one, let us know and we would love to um, evaluate that with you. Also, it can be emailed to you as well. And so we have both capabilities. But if you would like a physical copy, um, Jennifer and Chloe will be giving that to you. Uh, there's also a letter of, of, of thanks in there on behalf of our eldership team for your generosity. Um, us being a generous people, we believe is, is, is a biblical mandate for us to be generous and what God has called us to. And so I want to thank you for your generosity to the king and to the kingdom. It's not to us. It's not to a man. It's not to a person. Honestly, friends, even us giving to this trip is not to Val and Ceci. I mean, it's not, it's not to them. This is because we are wanting to advance the kingdom of God in the nations, especially a nation like Cuba. And so it's not us giving to Val and Ceci. This is us covering costs that they have already given so that the kingdom of God can be advanced in Cuba. So I pray that is your revelation always as we give to the Lord. Thank you so much for your generosity over this year. And we're going to see wonderful things uh, continue to happen. We love you guys. Have a great week. And uh, we'll see you soon. Young adults, see you at my house tonight at 5 p.m. 